the Bi-Urban Yogi, Episode 10, featuring James Randall Smith. I'm Will Blunderfield. I'm a psychology major, kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation with mentors and experts on such diverse topics as queer theory, holistic well-being, and music. James Randall Smith is a sexual healer and founder of Sky Dancer Tantra Massage and the Find Your Bliss podcast. He was initiated on the tantric path in 1999 and has studied many different healing modalities and spiritual practices over the years, including counseling, psychology, massage, energy work, shamanism, and tantra. His unique form of bodywork blends various relaxing, therapeutic, and sensual techniques, offering a blissful integration of mind, body, and spirit. James works with both individuals and couples to help create more meaningful, passionate, and blissful intimate relationships at all stages of life. For more information about James and his work, please visit skydancer.ca. I hope you enjoy this interview with Mr. James Randall Smith. Kundalini yoga is because it's it's really good for addicts. I find okay it can, can give you a natural high. Yeah, um, and then f- I find that combined with like good daily habits, you can kind of get a general feeling of being high, or at least not like. But why like do you want to be high? Like well, or high? I guess high. Like I believe that as humans, we're meant to kind of feel kind of high all the time. Right. Okay. So high, I guess, is different. Like yeah. maybe that's what I call bliss. Bliss. There you go. Okay. We're meant to feel like kind of. I believe we're. And I think that, you know, people just don't eat very well, generally, in our society. Maybe the nutrient quality of the soil isn't as good as it used yeah. to be. People are repressed from their sexuality. A they're lot distracted of distracted with TV. And yeah, and they're not in their consciousness bodies. Consciousness is like... So I think all those different factors kind of lead to you feeling not so connected to your bliss. Yeah. And so I, I think that's why sometimes people get into addiction is because we're meant to feel good, and we know that. But it's just we don't have the tools or the lifestyle to actually cultivated general feeling of bliss yeah and I found in my life is like the more moments of bliss or relief I cultivate naturally throughout my day the less I would reach for like too much red wine or get back into drugs yeah yeah I also think it it relates to one of your questions too it's like what are you doing with your creative energy Mm, that's such a good question sexual energy like do you have an outlet yeah a lot of people don't yeah if you're not in your gifts you're not following your bliss exactly yeah yeah yeah, so I just kind of press record, and then when it starts to sound interesting, I'll just cut it there. Okay. So we are on air. Okay, cool. Very good. <laughs> so I'm with James Randall-Smith, um, and we're in a beautiful park in East Van, Trout Lake Park. And I thought, what do you know Wim Hof? Uh, heard of. <clears throat> so he does this breathing technique. It's called the Wim Hof Method. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought maybe we could do it together to start. Sure, sounds Basically, good. you just take like 30 to, 30 to 40 breaths, deep breaths, focusing more on the inhale. And then after you do that, you exhale and you hold the air out as long as you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then... You're then taking me you, through a little yoga class yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> a little impromptu. And then, you, and then you inhale and hold for about 15 seconds and you're done. And you said 30 to 40 breaths. Yeah, deep breaths. Really deep breaths, and you focus mostly on the inhale, so you're super oxygenating your body. Okay, I'm going to follow your lead. Okay, here we go. (laughs) 
Hey. Hey. <laughs> It's like instant meditation. Yeah, everything's a bit brighter. Mm. <sighs> so, so you have a podcast called the Find Your Bliss Podcast. Yes. And on that podcast, um, you talk about different ways to achieve bliss. Mm, yeah, mostly through uh, sexual expression and intimate relationships. That's awesome. Yeah. When did you first realize that you could use sexuality to cultivate bliss? Um, I think it was a combination of uh, doing some deep emotional healing work. Back, I started my healing journey in the 90s, or mid to late 90s, and uh, I did a lot of rebirthing, breath work. Cool. Um, and eventually that led me to t studying Tantra and learning about Tantra, and at that point, it was kind of a, a synergy of connecting my sexuality with my heart, my soul, my spirit, and uh, realizing that in order to really feel whole and live a blissful life, I had to learn how to embody my sexuality in a, in a healthy and holistic way. Do you think that's a natural state, like to be, have the sexuality in tune with the heart and have it all working together? And then in our society, it, it gets pinched off. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I think yeah. uh, even as children, I think we're just naturally free and spontaneous with our energy, with our emotions, uh, with our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets trained out of us, mm -hmm. especially in this society. Why do you think that happens? Wow. Uh, that's a big question. I think the predominant, uh, the prevailing mindset, the Judeo-Christian mindset, uh, coming from the Middle Ages, uh, the Inquisition, I think there's a lot of control that certain powers that be have attempted to uh, maintain over humanity. Uh, and in doing so, they've implanted ideas that sex is sinful, it's wrong, it's bad, that masturbation is sinful, that... Uh, that, that the freedom of expression of who we are in the world actually is, there's something wrong, inherently wrong with that. And I think we've all kind of just grown up with those subconscious ideas imprinting in us and then passing them on generation after generation. Mm. Yeah, it always baffled me, like things like homophobia and, and sexism and, and um, the repression of sexuality in general. You know, I, mm -hmm. I've been doing some research and I studied... Um, critical studies in sexuality at UDC and in a lot of the classes we learned that for example like we're on unceded First Nations lands and they have to four genders and, and uh, there was a celebration in most tribes of so-called deviant sexualities and genders right like there'd be um, the archetype of like the strong masculine dude who went out and was strong on the battlefield but then could go back home and put on a dress and do women's work. Wow. And they were often called two spirits and they were often the shamans or the healers of right. their societies. And apparently when the white men came over, they were the first ones that were exterminated. In other words, mm. like they were called berdache in French, which means slut, the mm -hmm. prostitute. Mm -hmm. So right from the get-go, the white men sort of imprinted right. that Judeo-Christian sinfulness onto them. And it's just funny because that that's kind of like what we're talking about, like the combination of sexuality and spirituality was embodied apparently by these shamans mm. and um yeah it's, it's kind of sad I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that two spirit because that's how i identify cool and uh i can actually relate to a lot of what you just said in terms of 
feeling a, a balance and a blend of both masculine energies, the warrior, the, the fighter, the protector, and also uh, more feminine energies, you know, the, the, the intuitive and the creative uh, aspects and the sh shamanic aspects, bridging two worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's taken me a long time to understand myself in this culture that doesn't acknowledge or support the differences in that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. uh, but finally, I, you know, I'm in my late 40s, <laughs> I feel like I'm coming to terms with the true nature of who I am and, and what, why I'm here, what my gifts are. And, and in a way, it is to try and undo some of that damage, to try and repair and heal the rifts that, that generations of that kind of conditioning and programming has, uh, has done to us. Mm. How do you stay in a place of bliss yourself in a world that kind of shuns using sexuality to cultivate bliss? Like, what are your... Yeah. good daily habits that keep you in your own vortex and creating your own world around you so that you don't get sucked into the status quo? Right. Good question. Uh, first and foremost is I stopped paying attention to uh, the, the uh, outside programming of society. I don't watch TV. I don't read newspapers. Yeah, I reading the news and watching TV. Yeah. yeah, I basically, I create my own world, my own life uh, based on my internal makeup and my internal compass and I don't let the outside world uh, affect me or impact me the way I did when I was young, when I was a child, where you really don't have much choice. You're just kind of an open sponge. Right. So I've unlearned a lot of what society has taught me that I should or shouldn't do or who I should or shouldn't be and I've rediscovered who I am and then I'm letting that life force project outward instead of society uh, impact me in that way. I like that. What advice would you have to somebody? We were talking off air about the term queer, mm. and you know it's such an, a broad term. Yeah. Basically, I see it as anything other than completely vanilla, 100% heterosexual <laughs> missionary position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure there's some people that are like that, but probably uh, not very not many. Not many. Yeah. yeah. So I say most people on the planet are, could be queer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I guess I kind of like that term is because I remember vividly this Hummer. I had just been hanging out with this, this is grade 11, with this guy I was seeing. And uh, my parents were very against me seeing him. Mm. I think more because they could sense that he was maybe into drugs. Maybe it wasn't so much okay. about his gender. Yeah. But that could have been a shade of it. Yeah. But nonetheless, I remember walking up the hill back to my place because he lived down and I was up, up the hill. And it was late at night, maybe 1130 at night. And this Hummer comes by and they shout, queer, like oh, super loud. Fuck. And it, and it always stuck with me. So I kind of just like calling myself queer because I was called queer so many times. Reclaiming it. Kind of reclaiming it. Yeah. Um, but what advice would you have for like somebody like me where I feel like at least the gay side of me is almost like that child that went to put a penny on the train tracks as a kid and then got his toe stubbed by the train. Mm. Anytime I think about gayness or gay sex or intimacy with, a, with another man... Yeah. I sort of get this cringe still, yeah, and I still feel pinched off, and I still feel shame. Right. Um, how how would one overcome that? That is a good question, man. Um, I'm just trying to relate it to something uh, for myself, and and I had an experience once where I was walking downtown on Granville Street by myself, and this was maybe uh, like seven or eight years ago, and there was this typical stereotypical heterosexual couple kind of big macho man and a very feminine woman walking towards me and then she pointed to me and she <laughs> it still makes me laugh and almost cry to this day and she pointed at me and she said oh look there's your new girlfriend 
What? And she pointed at me saying to oh her boyfriend God. about that. And I thought, what on earth would make her say that? Like, am I presenting as, you know, more feminine than masculine or what have you? And it has stuck with me, just like your experience with the Hummer. Mm. And, you know, I find that, kind of like you perhaps, I've just internalized that and I'm like, okay, well, I am feminine. I am more feminine than a lot of masculine men are, but I'm also masculine. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like it forced me to confront that and embrace that within myself. So instead of like resisting it and trying to push the insult away, I took it in. I was like, okay, what's the truth of that? Mm-hmm. The truth of that is, yeah, there is that aspect to me and it's not all there is to me. But I also, that allows me to have a bit of space where I can see their fear and their projection. Right. And I, I don't have to take on their fear and projection or their judgment of it, but I can take the essence of what she's saying and, and see if it has any validity and then accept that part about myself even more. I like that. Yeah. It's like um, becoming more Buddha-like or Christ-like or Jesus-like. Yeah. <clears throat> becoming more and more able to hold the so-called positive feelings in your heart and the so-called shadow side in your heart right. in a loving space so that if anybody ever points out your shadow it's not as emotionally triggering for you. You can stay in your higher heart right. and just be like, Satnam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in a way that's true. It's, it's a tantric principle as well that everything is, is, is one and a reflection of the one. So if there's something that's uh, dark or painful or harsh that's coming at, at me, I'll speak for myself, I want to... I want to look at it. I don't want to run from it or, or resist it. I want to embrace it and say, okay, well, what do I need to learn? What's, what is there to embrace about this aspect of myself? And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's painful. And sometimes uh, there can be shame. There can be judgment. But that's coming from me. Right. It's just reflecting my own fear, shame, and judgment. So there, I, there's something for me to work on. Mm. Are there any practices that you can recommend, whether you're gay, straight, bi, whatever, when you're in a moment of intimacy and then you start to feel that shame or you even just start to feel a general sense of not being in your heart? Are there any Mm. practices you can do to stay in your heart while you're being intimate? Right. Uh, I I like the yogic and the meditation practices of of being aware of your breath. And for me, it's also about the eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul. So if I'm looking into your eyes... If I look there long enough and I stay centered and connected to my own breath, eventually what's not true will dissolve. Mm. And so whether it's my shame, whether it's your judgment or fear, whether it's whatever it is, if we stay with our eyes and then I stay connected to my breath, so I'm self-referencing, but I'm also open to seeing the truth. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of a, I think, a bit of a mind, like a, a mindset piece around just being willing to let go of what's not true. That's awesome. Whether it's shame, whether it's judgment, whatever it is, just being open and willing to see the truth. Yeah. It reminds me of white tantric yoga that we did it as part of the kundalini training and it was eight hours of eye gazing <laughs> eight hours yeah we took little breaks but yeah. it was like holding your hands in certain positions and yep. chanting as you're gazing love it and yeah like i used to have problems with eye contact and now i, I don't really you're really good that. at it you do it now <laughs> you're probably the best person i've ever met with eye <laughs> thank contact. you well, it definitely was that white tantric experience yeah but nice. um yeah and 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 i find that helpful that those techniques i've kind of maybe doing doing a little bit yep when I'm intimate with others, and, and so just reifying that, that's really good. I also think, I just want to add to that, um, mm-hmm. 
I think it depends also what you're doing as a sex act. Like if mm-hmm. you're doing something coming from a place of fear or shame or if it's distorted in some way, like then you're you're going to that's going to be reflected back to you and you're mm-hmm. going to have you cause an effect, I think. Uh it's it's like someone who reaches compulsively to porn uh for mm-hmm. masturbation. Mm-hmm. There's going to be an inherent amount of either fear, judgment, shame, whatever it is, because on some level, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing porn, I love good porn, <laughs> but if you're using it compulsively or addictively, then there's going to be a certain inherent feeling of, of self-recrimination, I think, because we know that we're using it in a way that's maybe not so healthy or... Not. So in in the vortex, being so in the vortex, tapped and turned on. It's yeah. like, do you know Abraham Hicks, the teachings of? I Abraham? do. Yeah, I, you know, I used to be super into them. Now I, I'm I've moved on to other things. But the idea of like, um, even David R. Hawkins, eroticism versus lust. Mm. Um, I'm interested in in you know, basically doing yogic practices and having good daily habits that keep me feeling sexy. Yeah. So that I don't have to lust after others. Right. I hate that feeling. I hate like being like, oh my god, that guy's so hot or that girl's so hot. I wish I could have them. I hate that. But I love feeling just like sexy within my own skin and yeah. then allowing so-called law of attraction to bring me another. And then we're both on that same plane of just both feeling beautiful and just yeah. interacting at that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Instead of being graspy or needy? I totally relate. I spent years feeling the same thing, uh, you know, driving down the street and, and just ogling people and, and, and lusting after them. And, and I could feel my energy kind of wanting to, to go outside of myself to It's to, almost like codependent, like leaving your body and thinking exactly. the other person's more important than you. Exactly. And what I've come to, to, to learn how to deal with that and manage manage it myself is that the the desire itself is not wrong and bad mm-hmm. the actual feeling of wanting something isn't wrong and bad mm-hmm. it's it's what we're thinking about ourselves in that space mm-hmm. and what we choose to do about it mm-hmm. and so knowing that you're never going to get what you want by acting on it you can never fulfill something on the inside by reaching for something on the outside mm. or you, do you know what I mean it's, like you can numb it Oh, yeah, you can distract yourself. You can have, like, so-called junk food sex. Absolutely, but But it's it's always going to bring you back to the same place. Right. It's always going to leave you as unfulfilled as before you had it. Maybe not for the duration of time that you're eating the ice cream or that you're having the sex, but it will leave you in the same space. Whereas if you learn to accept and embrace that, that desire and energy, but transmute it within yourself... Uh, it's almost like alchemy. It's like mm. you sublimate the desire. So instead of thinking, okay, I need to act out in order to uh, fulfill myself, I'm going to take that desire, that need that I feel, and I'm going to breathe it up in my own body, bring it into my heart. I'm going to I'm going to connect with my higher self, with God within me, to fulfill that in whatever way is the best for all concerned. Mm. Mm. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I had a session with you, and I felt we, we did a little bit of that. Can you talk the listeners through, like, is that kind of like Montauk Chia, like bringing in the, the energy and then bringing it up your spine and down the front, or is it more of an intuitive not, process? For me, it's been an intuitive process. 
Um, I get a lot of downloads. I get a lot of sort of psychic uh, information on how to work with my own energy body and, and my sexuality and things like that. And the more that I've tuned into that and practiced that, I also realize that other people are having the same experience. And so, mm -hmm. like, for instance, when I read David Data's book, uh, The Enlightened Sex Manual, mm. he talked about all the same practices that I was already intuitively doing. Hmm. And so I think there's a universality to this kind of stuff. The Mantec Chia uh, microcosmic orbit is one technical way to do that. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit for me. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to lose my voice. Hang on. I'm going to get some water. I'm going to get some water. Yeah. Um, but it is one way to ch channel and manage your energy. Right. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and it's an intuitive thing. I think I really I recommend for people to find a way that works for you because the way that works for me may not be exactly. Maybe you can borrow mm -hmm. 50, 60, 70, 80% of it, but there might be some aspect that you need to discover for yourself that's just right for you. Is there anything in diet that can help people um, become less lustful and more erotic? I love that question. Um, the things that I've found that work best for me is when I do lots of juicing. Like cool. fresh fruit and vegetable juicing, especially the green juices and things like that. I do a lot of celery, carrot, uh, uh, cucumber. And I was speaking with Peter Ellingson, who's a personal trainer nutritionist, about this. Yeah. And the idea that we both were noticing is if we have too much sugar, especially obviously processed sugars, mm -hmm. it totally makes me feel more lustful. Right. But natural things, and I guess juices that are preponderance vegetable, like not shitloads of apple and shitloads of like no. really sugary ones, I find right. that can take away my drive to like for example practice semen retention so yes it's interesting how that sugar piece is working i agree with you and i would say the same thing about fatty foods that tends to make me want to oh yeah especially deep fried foods. lust out more and same with alcohol like i know where what my triggers are and if i go mm -hmm. too far down the road of indulgence it's just going to snowball and it's going right. to really it's going to lead me and i know where it leads and there's no judgment about that in fact i encourage people to like try it out and see right. where it takes you yeah and feel how shitty you feel and right. feel how empty you feel and feel how, how uh, what's that word? Um, not hopeless, but um, fruitless. Fruitless, Those, those choices are. So that then the next time, try the opposite. Try eating pure. Try drinking more vegetable juice. Doing smoothies with cacao, coconut, and maca. Um, coconut water? Uh, I personally like actually put shredded coconut or oh, cool. coconut milk. Um, coconut nice. water. Like in the cans? In the cans, yeah. Cool. And coconut's good for healthy fats? Healthy fats is great for the brain. Nice. Um, cacao is great for the heart, so for circulation, for erections, things like that. Cool. And then the maca especially is good for your sexual jing and your hormones. Right. I love maca. Yeah. Health, I think it's called Health Force is the brand that I like. Yeah, yeah. I've tried and that. What do you think of uh, spirulina and uh, chlorella? Do Love you it. Into that? Love it. I'm definitely into that, especially because uh, with like chemtrails and with a lot of the GMO foods or just the pesticides and things like that, I feel like from what I've researched, the chlorella especially helps to cleanse the body. Yeah. I've been to Japan so many times and I was up like singing and teaching yoga in Fukushima a lot. Especially wow. after 2011. Oh so I God. just love my chlorella. Yes. I'm just always having it. Good boy. <laughs> I'm a radioactive toad. <laughs> can I lick you? <laughs> you can lick me. Uh, yeah, no, I find that really helpful. And also earthing. Yeah? Yeah, just like taking my shoes off and walking on the earth. Seems yeah. Seems to be really good for ba feeling more balanced. Yeah, I have an earthing pad underneath my desk. Oh, you do? Home. Yeah. Oh, where'd you get that? Uh, there's a Amazon? store called Water Matters, actually, here Water in Vancouver. Matters. Okay, They cool. sell everything products, yeah. Nice. 
else was I going to ask you? There was something else. Oh, just wearing like um, natural fibers. Yeah. Seems to really help too. Like if I wear those tights, you know, those like Nike tights to work out underneath the shorts. Right. I get really like, I feel super imbalanced. I don't know why, but I just feel like, ah, like I to rip them off. Kind of, yeah, crawl out of your skin. Yeah. Whereas when I'm wearing like 100% cotton. Yeah. I just feel way more just at peace in the moment. I think you're speaking, you're speaking my language. I think the closer we get to nature in every way, whether it's our clothing, our diet, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the information we take in through uh, reading or or watching or whatever it is, uh, I think then we start to to tune into the inherent wisdom and and, and intelligence Mm. of our spirit and our bodies. Like, nature is supremely intelligent. So... The more we can do of those kind of practices, meditation, yoga, breath work, etc., then I think we begin to really align with our true life force and uh, make choices that are in our best interest. That's beautiful. That are, that are blissful, essentially. Blissful choices. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. I'm just going to look at my questions because I had some more yeah. questions for you. How can we use our sexuality to manifest our dreams? <laughs> I love that. I'm so passionate about this because I, I would like to see a new world, a different world, where we're all manifesting our dreams and we're connecting you know, passionately through play and through uh, creativity and, and intimacy and mm. sexuality. And uh, I think the, one of the big keys is to look, first of all, you have to know what your dreams are. Mm-hmm. So do some self-inquiry, some meditation, some prayer, some journaling, some reading, and discover what is inside you that wants to give birth. And then secondly, pay attention to the way we're using our sexual energy. Mm-hmm. If we're constantly uh, leaking sexual energy and um, through draining it through uh, unconscious sex, through un- unconscious masturbation, through or even just repressing it and denying it, then we don't have access to that wellspring of creative life force that wants to manifest our dreams for us and with us. Mm. So if we can begin to kind of harness it, I, I kind of like to think of it as a horse. And yeah, that's why I called my album Wild Horses. Perfect. Learning how to harness the creative life force. Exactly. And so like a wild horse... It's fantastic. It's got lots of primal energy and potential, but we need to learn how to ride it, how to how to tame it, but not tame it to the point where it's repressed. Where it's repressed. Right. But but you know, learn how to almost like it's like a dance. It's like surfing mm. on the waves. It's like you know, we're not totally in control, but we're in control enough to 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 ride and co-create our journey and, and head to our destination. Wow. I was telling you before I just finished eight months of Kundalini training. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's all about taking the energy of the lower triangle and transmuting it to the higher centers. So you, it's almost like a physical way of um, living out your dreams by using your sexual energy. Yeah. But then there was a small piece where they're kind of like, oh, like, you know, and Yogi Bhajan says that his first teaching was no sex at all. Just transmute all the energy. Yeah. And then his then he, he laxed it up a bit. And it was like you can have sex with one monogamous partner once a month. And I was like, oh gosh, like, I feel like there's more, I feel like there could be more to the puzzle or more to the pie and more to the, more to life than that. Maybe for some people that would work, like to get married and 
like be in a heterosexual relationship and just have sex once a month. Mm-hmm. But maybe that blueprint might not work for every single person on the planet. Yeah, I agree. So have you ever come across any spiritual tradition that has really aligned with your values? Like for me, like what I'm realizing is I kind of like to take a little bit of Kundalini, a right. little bit of Montauk Chia, a yeah. little bit of James Randall Smith, yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of just feel out what feels right for me. I think that's the best approach, honestly. Uh, I think it's up to us. It's up to you and it's up to me to discover and, and give birth to our own way. Mm. I think that's what's required now. Like the things that have worked in the past worked in the past because of the time frame that, that they were uh, uh, created in. But now I think it, it requires something, it does, it requires a birth of something new and different, which can mm. be an amalgamation. You know, like I, I borrow aspects of Buddhism of uh, Christianity, uh, the Tantra teachings that I know. Tantra has been the closest in alignment with my own philosophy and belief system. But ta- Which school of Tantra? Well, see, that's just it. I don't, I don't have one school of Tantra, and I don't, I don't necessarily... I've t- even within that, whole, that spectrum, I've borrowed from different aspects of different Tantra teachings. Right. And I'm making it my own. It's almost like an alchemy. That's cool. In uh, the training, we did a, an experience called White Tantric Yoga. Yeah. White Tantric apparently is the t- style of Tantra that is not sexual. So yeah. it was a lot of eye gazing and stuff. Yeah. Then apparently there's the school of Red Tantric. Red Tantra. There's the, the right hand path, the left hand path. Um, I'm because of because of my makeup, I'm uh, a bit of a hedonist at heart. So I want to find God through the exploration of the sensual world and and physical pleasure and sexual pleasure. Somebody once told me, sorry to interrupt you, that the um, white tantric, like the white tantric is an easier path and that the red tantric is fraught with more difficulty. Like when you get sexual with other people instead of just being celibate, I mean, this is very black and white. Does that ring true at all? It absolutely rings true. It's kind of like if you're tempted with a glass of pure crystalline spring water you know how good it's going to feel and then a chocolate milkshake in the other hand and the test is find an equal amount of God or truth in both and is the white tantric the crystalline the white tantric would be the water and the red 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 tantric would be the chocolate milkshake now is that chocolate milkshake from like happy cows like, okay, like I, in terms of the metaphor, let's just—is like it a healthy chocolate milkshake or like a or like a, a one could, from A and W? It could be <laughs> either, but let's for 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 argument's sake, let's say it's from which happy is same with potential partners. Let's say it's happy cows. Like, basically, the the concept is something that stimulates your senses, that mm-hmm. tastes really good on a physical level. Mm-hmm. It's easier to lose yourself mm-hmm. in that. It's easier for you to <clears throat> excuse me. Let that be the experience. Instead of finding God in that, you're basically saying, oh, it's the, the milkshake is what I need. The milkshake right. is, tastes, tastes good. It's, it's what's giving me my pleasure or bliss. Instead of realizing it's actually the experience of God experiencing the milkshake, the milkshake's irrelevant. God through you. God through me and the milkshake. God's in the milkshake. God's in me. So am I communing with yeah. the divine as I'm drinking the milkshake? Or am yeah. I losing my connection to the divine and replacing right. it with the chocolate milkshake. Oh, that's such a good analogy. I, I really understand that. Yeah. So that's why Red Tantra is, it's a harder path because it's harder to realize your connection with God or the divine while you're having sex and while you're approaching orgasm. And it's easier to just 
enjoy the sex and think that it's the sex or the orgasm that's giving you what feels good on the inside. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like bringing your meditation practice to the bedroom. Right. So you're not, you're bringing your consciousness and your desire and will to unite with the divine or God, whatever you want to call it, while you're having sex, Mm. while you're enjoying your milkshake, while you're doing whatever. Self-pleasuring. Self-pleasuring, yeah. What role does celibacy play in the journey to being a good red tantrika? That's a great question. I would say start there. I think it's important to know who you are without the distractions of the, the pleasures of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good to establish that connection with God or the divine without the temptations or the distractions first. Mm-hmm. Once you have that, then you can start to test yourself. Right. You can start to branch out and start to, you know, do the same practice except maybe engage in some kind of physical intimacy or some kind of sensual pleasure being completely mindful of knowing if and when you start to lose your center, if you start to go off balance. Mm. Then, then, you know, stop, bring yourself back, reconnect. And when you say lose your center, is that a physical place? Like, for example, is that when you lose your connection to your navel point? For me, that might be that way for you. For me, my center is, uh, in shamanic terms, uh, it's, it's called, um, oh shit, what's it called? Uh, a something point. God, I Is know. it in your pituitary game? For me, it's, it's an internal point of reference. Hmm. And for me, it happens to be somewhere like, somewhere like, like around here, frontal lobe. my frontal lobe, but just like, like in front of it? Yeah, in front of it. Huh. And where you feel balanced and, and focused in forward ex- motion. Exactly. It's where I can connect my lower body with my upper body. Hmm. And, so it's, and sometimes I can change it. Uh, I, can, I can bring it down into my heart. I can, you know, I can bring it down into my groin. Um, oh God, it's going to bug me all day that I can't remember what that that's called. Uh, uh, anyway, it'll come back to you. It'll come back to me. Um, yeah, so it's just an internal reference point where I feel most centered. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so it, and I actually went to see an intuitive. Uh, a psychic and, and she was saying the same thing she's like you know I think that celibacy would actually be good for you like just doing that for like 40 days or whatever doing it for yeah. a certain amount of time and um, yeah it's interesting like I can really when I really get into the I, I call it brahmacharya like it's from yoga creating boundaries around the life you love to live mm. when I really get into that I can really actually start to feel almost like I'm dating myself like I'm having a relationship I with myself that. and feeling sexy in my own skin and, and and it is amazing though how easily I can sometimes get pulled out by a person or by ice cream or by you yeah. know like the temptation is there yeah and I guess when that temptation presents itself I just have to remind myself like, wait a sec you actually feel way better when you're just like connected to your right. navel point when you're just like serving through your passions like remember that dude like you actually yeah you're your own person. I would also, I mean, I, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes. Fine, that's good. And I like to, I like to say, well, have the ice cream, mm-hmm. and then really notice how it makes you feel. Oh, I had the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. I tried it. <laughs> and 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 maybe again, practice like the act of 
transmutation or sublimation or alchemy, whatever you want to call it, where you're having the ice cream, but you're not losing yourself in the ice cream. You're indulging with awareness. Mm. Um, so going slow, being patient. Yeah, savoring it, seeing, yeah. knowing when enough is enough. No, right. you know, like just bringing so consciousness. When to you that. say lose yourself, what does that mean? Losing yourself is that that means basically going off center, like having too much ice cream. It means going off center, having too much ice cream. It means um, not not using the ice cream to um, to enhance yourself, to cultivate yourself. Like kind of that's like right. Terry McBride always says he's he he uh, is the guy who signed me to network. He's like you you have to be selfish. Mm-hmm. And he's like I don't mean it in the way that everybody else means it. I mean like you have to be selfish enough to care about how you feel moment to moment so that whether you're having sex or ice cream or whatever, you're using it to selfishly <clears throat> cultivate yourself so that you can stay in the vortex. You can stay tuned and right. tapped and turned on. I totally relate to that, especially with a masturbation for me. Because mm. I've been addicted to masturbation. At, you know, different... To ejaculation or to the pleasuring or everything? Uh, to everything. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, since I was a kid, I started masturbating when I was three, and it was a result of two things. One is just self-discovery and play, which was awesome, but it was also being left alone without the contact with a parent for extended periods of time. So I had to, it was, became a form of self-comfort. Or... Well, self-comfort. It was like oh. I was scared and I was lonely. And so oh. I, I learned to comfort myself by touching my genitals. Mm-hmm. And I've just continued that, uh, you know, all my adult life. So... Being able to do it selfishly in a way that, uh, where I'm healing my heart, where I'm doing it, but I'm also having compassion for that little three-year-old, mm-hmm. where I'm not just unconsciously jerking off to porn and losing my life force. Right. I'm actually aware of how do I feel in my heart? How do mm. I, you know, what am I thinking about the people on my screen that I'm looking at in terms mm. of the porn that I'm watching? So it's it's a consciousness practice, really. Yeah. Uh, instead of becoming unconscious, that, I guess that's what I mean by losing yourself is you just go unconscious. Right. You kind of numb out. Numb out. Leave your body. Leave your sense. body. Make choices. Unconsciously, it's just almost like an automatic, like habit- habitual choices. Right. Your cow paths. Yes. Noticing your cow paths and not getting, not always just going down the same road, but like developing more of the. Kind of on automatic. Yeah, capacity to take a step back. Like, wait a sec, is that actually going to serve me? Or Right, being able no. to evaluate, self-reflect. Yeah. Let me look at my, my questions. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if this is... Is this making sense? Is this, it does make is sense. Is it working? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely <laughs> working. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, can we talk more about the connection between sexuality and the heart? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just interviewed Patricia Klum, and she is an energy healer who helps people open up their hearts, yeah. making the journey from the head to the heart. Hmm. And I'm also interested in yeah, um, I help people. how we can use both. Yeah, you yeah do that. You I help make people make the journey from their groin to their heart. Yeah, so <laughs> you guys should team up. Yeah, we should all, all three of us should get yeah, together. Yeah, great. Yeah, so... In my experience as a healer, mm-hmm. um, I find that uh, for, a, for a lot of people, their sexual energy is, it's either kind of dormant or shut off, mm. or it's alive and active, but it's just in the genitals. Mm. And I look at the chakras in our body as a bit of a roadmap. So if you want your sexual energy 
down in your groin to come up to your heart, mm-hmm. what are the chakras it has to go through? It has to go, you know, there's the roots, there's the sacrum, there's the, the, the solar plexus, and then the heart. What, is the, what are the themes of the solar plexus? It's, it's about radiating your power, knowing your boundaries, mm. expressing your assertiveness. Mm-hmm. Most people have lost touch with how to do that. They've and I have to say, like, I, I didn't want to ever sound like I was bashing the Kundalini's because that maybe was my period of practicing celibacy and, and, and really learning how to practice I containment. I would say yes, yes. And connect to that third chakra. I would say yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I teach a lot of women when they're on my table uh, and I'm working with them to uh, clear the blocks in their solar plexus in order to get their sexuality to merge with their heart. And in doing so, what that means quite often is for them to learn how to say no, Mm. to own a boundary, to own their power, Mm -hmm. to be able to express their power and clear the blocks in the solar plexus so that then that sexual energy can't, it can just move. It just naturally wants to move. Right. Once you, once you focus on the, uh, the lessons and the issues in the solar plexus around power, then you can do the heart healing work. Right. The grief, the loss, the sadness, the fear, the anger and get get that energy moving and then once the heart starts opening up in that way this your sexual energy will just naturally click and connect there right that's cool mm-hmm. so it's it's a matter of you got to come see you <laughs> <laughs> well it's one option but you know uh but yeah, owning your boundaries. Just think, yeah, think in terms of where are you not fully self-expressed in terms of boundaries, assertiveness, uh, and your own power. Mm-hmm. Could you come up with a good technique? Like, for example, there's this hot guy who just walked by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With his shirt off. And um, I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. I just want to like cuddle him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I recognized that desire. Yes. And then I just brought my attention back into my own body. And I was like, well, you're pretty hot too. Like, it's like, well, of course you are. Thank you. You too. And so um, like that felt good. Then like when I was in high school, I used to just lust after hot guys and not and completely leave my body. And I had no technique for like staying self-referenced. Right. So it, um, what are some like hot tips you have for like if somebody is in a moment where they're about to like start to leave their body. It's, I see it as like a form of codependency, really. I'm, 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 I'm looking around right now trying to find someone that I, I, I could yeah, it's pretty feel empty that way. Right yeah. Um, and also, I'm more attracted to women, so I'm visualizing mm-hmm. seeing a yeah, hot you woman saw a beautiful woman walk by. Yeah. Um, what I usually try and do is... Because is, um, as you said, the desire's not wrong. The desire's not wrong. I, I mm. imagine myself making contact energetically with that person. That's good. And I imagine myself basically creating a, an exchange of energy. Mm. So I'm just breathing in and receiving their beauty or their whatever, their gorgeousness, taking it into my body, and then, and then giving them my appreciation nice. back. And it's just, it's just like a, hello, I think you're awesome, and I don't need anything from you, but I'm going to enjoy you. That's beautiful. So staying in the frequency of appreciation. Yeah versus less. That's so good. I love it. Mm-hmm. I remember actually re- that jogs my memory. I was reading Way of the Superior Man by David yep. Data. Yeah, he I was that. broaching that, actually that very same technique in different words. But Right. Yeah, when you notice a beautiful woman or man or transgender person, just like yep. appreciate that. And I think I was listening to your podcast and you were saying you do that with porn. Yeah. Like you appreciate the actors. and. Well, I actually try and make a connection and this might sound weird because 
porn's obviously pre-recorded, but I look into their eyes and I do an energy exchange. I I imagine receiving their energy and then breathing back my my love, affection, appreciation uh, in an energy circuit. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. And it does work, but it works better if the quality of the porn that I'm watching is is of a higher consciousness level. Are there any sense. good sites that you can recommend uh, for porn? Because like I don't really want to go there hit and miss. because my <laughs> personal preference is uh, homemade amateur porn. So nice. I, I kind of look like for X Two would be good maybe. Um, maybe I once in a while I, I go there, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, com- like community. Home, homemade community amateur sites where nice. anyone can create a profile and upload personal videos. Cool, cool. I like that. That's good. Facebook? No. I'm going to create one. <laughs> create one and let me know. I'm going to create a membership we'll put site. it in the show. Perfect. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, where do you think homophobia comes from? Because mm. it wasn't always that way. If we look at First Nations cultures, right. ancient Greece... Yeah. The norm was bisexuality, and men would often um, be married to a woman, and then they would go off to battle, and there were seven different forms of love, and one form of love was being homoerotic with your fellow battlemates because they believed it cultivated a stronger connection, so you're more apt to protect them if they were in danger wow. in battle. I had never heard of that. I think that's so cool. Uh, what was the question? Uh, where, so where did the, where did that stop? Oh God! How did that stop? We touched we, we touched that at the very beginning. It's the damn church. It's church. it's it's uh, like seriously. Even though uh, it's not obvious today that we come from a, a you know religious kind of mindset, mm-hmm. it's there. Well, it's there, and it's and also homosexual behavior is there too. It's still happening. We know from Kinsey. I oh, it's natural. Grindr, it's in nature. Like when I if. I'm not on Grinder right now. I'm doing a Grinder fast. <laughs> but uh, when I was doing Grinder, almost every dude I spoke with was either bi or heterosexual, having a girlfriend oh, or wow. even a wife in some cases. Wow. And so I know that it's still happening. Yeah. So it's. I guess I'm wondering when did the whole thing that you're not allowed to talk about it start happening? Right. Well, I think when uh, the church, what's the word, promulgated that that mindset. Uh, all of a sudden, it became wrong to be that way. Therefore, it became wrong to talk about it or to support each other in that. Can you say that again? When the church promul- promulgated, uh, per- perpetuated that mindset? Yes. So, but I believe it was intentional. I believe it was intentional. So this is, this is my fear. Is it because, sorry to interrupt you, but is it because same-sex sexuality has the potential to bond men and make them less competitive within their own herds within their own tribes more loving and the powers that be don't want that they want people fighting and you know i think that's part of it but i don't think it's actually i don't think they they uh centered out gay sex as being any more wrong or sinful than promiscuous heterosexual sex what they are i think we're really attempting to do was control our sexuality and control our ability to create our realities. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is the underlying thing. So they're like, okay, how can we control heterosexuals? Okay, well, we'll make sex a sin only in marriage, no condoms. How can we control gay sex? Okay, well, let's just say it's wrong in general. Mm-hmm. How can we control... Mm-hmm. Buggery. Everything. Uh, buggery. Yeah, exactly. And so they've mm-hmm. they set out the, you know, all of their list of, of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations and, and we'll 
kill people literally for violating them, to put the fear of our own sexuality, gay, straight, doesn't matter, so that we don't exp express ourselves fully and learn the, the power that our sexuality has. Mm. The power mm. of our sexual energy is the power of creation. Mm -hmm. Not just creation of babies, creation. Right. Everything that we see in the world is, was created through the sexual The sexual life impulse. force energy. Yes. Right. So if we become conscious of how to use that and feel free and uninhibited in our expression, mm. we will create a completely different world where the people at the top of the pyramid are no longer in control of us. That, I think, is the essential reason why they've fucked us up the way they have. Uh, I know who's they. Well, there's a is it reptiles. There's a there's a, a supposedly <laughs> who is it? There's supposedly 13 families with 8,000 people at the, at the top of the pyramid that are Luciferian worshiping um, uh, power mongers. Some people say reptilians. I do believe that there's different spiritual races, just like there's different mm -hmm. physical races. Or is that even like a metaphor for the lizard brain? Yeah. Like David R. Hawkins says that we most people, 85% of the world, are operating from the lizard brain. I think Which is that's true, down. but I also but think I this. also think the other is true. Huh. Wow. Hopefully they're not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even if they are, I'd just say, you know, like, fuck you, we're going to make this work no matter what. Cool. Assertiveness. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Fearlessness. Assertiveness. Fearlessness. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, this is actually... this is great. <laughs> I just want to say thank you. This is oh, a very stimulating. Oh, uh, good, stimulamo discussion. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much for for being on. I don't actually really have any more pre-planned questions. But yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or touch on? Wow, we've touched on so much. Honestly, I feel blessed and grateful to be able to have this discussion with you. You too. Um, yeah, I, I would just like to. I think maybe leave people with. Um, how, how important and rewarding it is to go on that journey of self-discovery, to mm. find who you are beyond the cultural norms, beyond the expectations, find out what it means to be you on the spectrum of, of queerness or gender orientation or sexual orientation. How do you want to express your uniqueness in the world? Mm -hmm. That is a journey worth embarking on. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Love you. Salam. Namaste. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One love. One love. <laughs> you look so goddamn young. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm young at heart. There you go. It's all the sex. Exactly. <laughs> it is. In the vortex sex. Well, there you have it. That was my interview with the lovely James Randall Smith. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll catch you next week for another installment of the Bi Urban Yogi Podcast.
than Yogi. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much, guys, for your reviews on iTunes, for listening, for supporting, and have a beautiful day.